everyone. Welcome back to the How to Vegan podcast or welcome to the How to Vegan podcast. If you have never listened before, I'm really glad you're here. This episode is going to be a really, really, really good episode full of a ton of information. So much information out there about the topic of fish and this episode has been requested so many times. So many DMs like, hey, do what's the deal with fish? What's the deal with fish? What's the deal with fish? Probably up to now my most requested episode. And I think it's because a lot of people aren't sure whether or not fish feel pain, aren't sure of the repercussions of eating fish and want to know more about it. So that's what this episode is going to be. So if you're like, I'm not sure if eating fish is okay or not, or if it sits right with me, this episode is going to be so good for you because you'll hear all of the information and then you can kind of make a decision for yourself. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the ethical reasons why a lot of people choose to not eat fish. So whether fish actually feel pain or not, and to what extent. I'll be talking a little bit about catch and release fishing for fun and kind of the implications of that. I'm also going to be talking about some of the health benefits and risks of eating fish, as well as the environmental impacts that eating fish has on our planet. I'm also going to talk about farmed fishing versus commercial fishing, and I'll also talk a little teeny bit about oysters too, because I know y'all want to know if oysters are vegan or not. So it's going to be a really great episode. Yeah, just full of information that should be easily digestible and accessible to y'all because man, there's so much out there that's just like a lot. I did a ton of research for this episode and I think I put together some of the best information that I have found for you. So I hope you like this episode. I'm excited to share, share it with you. This episode is sponsored by Holier. Holier is an amazing plant-based wellness brand that is designed for people eating a plant-based diet. I've been taking their vegan multi for a long time now, and I love everything about them. I'll be talking more about Holier later, and I also have a discount code that you can use too, so definitely stay tuned for that. For those of y'all that don't know, I have a healthy vegan starter kit on my website that used to cost money, but then at the beginning of COVID, I figured why not give it away to help people who are cooking more at home, and I just decided why not just continue to give it away for free. So if you're interested in checking out my healthy vegan starter kit, it includes two weeks of meal plans, more than 20 healthy, delicious, affordable recipes, grocery lists to go with the recipes, and more, and it's just available for free on my website. Always going to be for free. So if you're interested in, in checking that out, then head on over to my website and you can find it there. And speaking of COVID, thank you so much for being a little bit patient with this, this episode being released. It's been a while since I've released my last one, but I got COVID. I did. And it was not very fun. It definitely sucked. I did not feel good. Yeah. The whole thing. The whole thing was just not great. If you've had COVID, you know. Luckily, I'm vaccinated, so I think it could have been a lot worse than it was. But yeah, I had to quarantine away from my little family for 10 days and just, it just, it wasn't ideal. But I'm feeling a lot better. I'm still dealing with a little bit of like mental fog, like brain fog and mental fatigue, especially researching for this podcast is part of the reason it took so long. I didn't realize there was going to be so much information to sift through. And I just am finding that I get a little bit 
tired more easily and I just can't like focus as long as I used to. So this episode took a little bit longer than I thought it was going to to be released, but I'm doing it. I'm finally, I'm finally doing it. Finally feeling better. So yeah, just wanted to give you a little update of why as to why it took a little bit longer to get this episode out than it usually does. Okay, let's get into today's topic. What's the deal with fish? Okay, before we begin, as always, a few disclaimers. Number one, no, I did not watch Seaspiracy for a couple of reasons. One, I've heard mixed reviews on the validity of a lot of the facts in the movie, and I just didn't want things to get convoluted and for me to just get drawn in. And then just, as with a lot of the vegan documentaries out there, a lot of a lot of good things and then a lot of bad things with as far as the facts and and all of that stuff. You know, I mean, it's a movie made to try to get you to go vegan. And so that's, it's very biased. And I just didn't want to watch it and then have that super, super biased feeling and then get some of the facts wrong. So that's the first reason that I didn't watch it. Also, I just... I just, I'm in, I'm in a place right now in my life where I just can't bring myself to watch any suffering. Like I've seen some clips from the movie and I just, my heart, my soul, I just can't take it. I just feel like there's a lot going on in the world that is just weighing on me and just for a while has just been making things feel heavy. And so just deciding to watch a movie that I know is going to be full of so many images and videos of complete suffering I just can't right now. So I didn't watch Seaspiracy. If you want to watch it, feel free. But keep in mind that documentaries like that are are biased and that you need to do the research yourself and, and check out the facts that way for sure, as with anything that you're watching. So um, just a heads up, no, I did not watch it. I know some people are going to be like, oh my God, I don't even want to listen to what you have to say then if you're not watching the main movie about it. But I didn't watch it. I did a ton of other research otherwise, though. And then the last kind of disclaimer is that, yes, there is a difference between commercial fishing and subsistence fishing. Commercial fishing is done for profit, for making money, converting marine life into food to make money. Subsistence fishing is done on a small scale. It's done by a person in order to directly feed themselves, their family, or their community. And around 3 billion people on this planet truly rely on fish or some sort of like seafood, marine protein for their sustenance. And although I'm going to be talking about the negative implications of eating seafood and fish in this episode, I am not at all suggesting that these people should stop the consumption of fish and marine species because that's just not realistic. That is their main source of food for a lot of these people. So keep that in mind that I'm talking about commercial fishing, not people who are relying on fish as a main part of their diet. Okay, so let's just start with the question of whether fish are vegan or not. Might be obvious to some of you, but some of you might genuinely be wondering. So the definition of veganism is a philosophy and a way of living which seeks to exclude, as far as possible and practical, all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose. So vegans don't eat animals. Fish are animals. So vegans don't eat fish. So is fish vegan? No. If you eat a plant-based diet, but you eat some sort of fish sometimes, then you are a pescatarian by definition, which I was a pescatarian for maybe a year. I gave up meat of all kinds except for fish. I worked at like a fish restaurant 
And part of it was me saying, I need to taste the dish to know how to explain it to my guests. But in all reality, I really was like not super connected with fish and just didn't really think of them the same way as other animals. So I was pescatarian for a while. I think a lot of people, that's kind of the transition that they go in and fish is kind of the last thing that they give up. So, but, but if you're eating fish, otherwise a plant-based diet, you're technically a pescatarian. And I think for a lot of people, the mass killing of fish is just more justifiable morally than killing other animals. And pescatarianism is a relatively common way of eating. And this is probably because fish, they look really different. They act so different than other land animals do that they seem like just they seem too distant you know they're not similar to other animals and they're not as similar to us so they're they're not like us I think a lot of people just think of them as these weird slimy things in the water and they're not like us at all and that's I think a reason that a lot of people justify eating fish and we we eat a lot of fish on this planet. How many fish do we kill each year? Well, we know we kill a lot of land animals. Annually, about 70 billion land animals are killed for food around the world. 70 billion. That's a, so many, so many animals for food. The number of fish killed each year by humans is between 1 and 3 trillion. Trillion is a number that's like really hard to wrap your mind around. So to understand that big of a number, if the average length of each caught fish is that of a dollar bill, so six inches, and they were lined up end to end, they would stretch to the sun and back. That's a round trip of 186 million miles. And that would have like a couple hundred billion fish left over. So it's not even like every fish is a count of billions of fish would be left over. And that's if they were the length of a dollar bill which we know that so many of them are a lot bigger than that. The number of fish killed each year far exceeds the number of people who have ever existed on this planet. At almost 3 trillion per year, the number of fish killed by human beings is really mind-blowing. It's hard to even understand and wrap your head around, but it is a huge amount. Something that you, you really can't wrap your mind around. So we kill a lot of fish. Bottom line, a lot. A lot more than you could even possibly imagine. So the first thing I want to talk about are the ethical reasons and the ethical facts behind eating fish. So like I was saying earlier, there, there's a lot of reasons why people don't really connect to fish. Maybe because they live underwater and we don't really like see them or think about them a lot. Also, just they're cold-blooded, they're scaly, they look weird, they don't, they don't easily evoke compassion from most people. So it's easy to just say, well, they're not similar to us, so I'm just going to eat them. I think a lot of people use that simple reasoning to justify eating fish. But the answer to the question of whether fish feel pain is truly a decisive yes. There is evidence that fish can feel pain. They can show fear. Like any other animal, fish feel pain and they have a will to survive. Fish are animals. They want to live they feel pain. This is a fact. 
Fish have fully developed brains, central nervous systems, they have very sensitive mouths, they have all the receptors needed to feel pain. And a lot of people in the past who have been wanting to deny that fish feel pain or say it's like irrelevant pain have focused on the fact that fish don't have a neocortex, which is the area of the brain where mammals process pain. But birds also do not have a neocortex and they clearly, obviously, feel pain. I I've never questioned whether birds feel pain. I've always had cats. Cats bring in the birds. It just seems, it's just very obvious. Nobody questions that. But even if their pain is experienced in a different way, different than than we experience or assume that it should be, doesn't mean that their pain is less intense or that we shouldn't care about it. So even if they don't have a neocortex, they have a nervous system. And the nervous system consists of two parts, the central nervous system, which is located in your brain and your spinal cord, and then your peripheral nervous system, which is located in all the other parts of your body. And together, these two nervous systems work to generate responses to all sorts of stimuli, including pain. And fish have both of those systems. And pain is an essential element of evolution. It's essential to to know what to avoid. If you didn't feel pain, you would just go up to something that could harm you. And that just wouldn't be very helpful as far as like an evolutionary stance goes. And yeah, it's impossible to definitively know whether a fish feels pain or whether a cow feels pain or whether a cat feels pain because it's not going to be like our own so we can't actually feel it but that really is besides the point we don't we don't know whether these animals feel pain the way that we do yet we still afford them humane treatment and legal protection because they have shown that they can suffer so even if it's not the same kind of suffering and pain that we endure we can tell that an animal is suffering it doesn't have to be in the exact same way that we feel pain. And in fact, the American Veterinary Medical Association states in their guidelines for euthanizing animals that fish should be accorded the same considerations as land animals in regard to relief from pain. So even like the Veterinary Association knows that fish feel pain. And because fish don't have the same like facial expressions and maybe aren't crying or screaming out in pain, a lot of times their suffering is just ignored, hence the reason why so many people are pescatarian, but their pain should not be ignored. Virtually every commercially caught fish dies from suffocation. Fish out of water are unable to breathe and they slowly suffocate and die. And just as drowning is painful for humans, this experience is most likely painful for fish. And for some species, suffocation takes a very long time. One researcher found that cod and haddock often remain conscious on the decks of fishing ships for two hours or more. That's a long time to be like gasping for air and suffocating. And this long period of suffering is made worse if a fish is already injured, which is typically the case because of the way that commercial the commercial fishing industry fishes. They use methods such as trawling, which is dragging a huge net behind the boat, like a huge net, miles and miles long behind the boat that just scoops up anything in its path. And another method called persaining, which is essentially, again, a giant net, but it's closed at the bottom. And then they gather all the fish in there and everything and then cinch it together at the top like a purse, hence the name. 
And with trawling and purse-seining, huge numbers of fish are crushed together as they're brought aboard processing vessels. So they're crushed together, like thousands upon thousands of fish are crushed together as they're brought aboard and then left there to like suffocate and die if they weren't already dead from getting completely smashed. And then there's other fishing techniques like pole and line and using techniques like those, their cheeks, their lips, their jaws, other places of the fish are pierced with hooks and large fish are sometimes even just stabbed as they're brought on board. So all of those methods on top of then, yeah, suffocating on board out of the water is just a really horrible way to die. And fish that are caught in deep waters have it much worse because when they're pulled to the surface, depressurization can cause their organs to burst or their stomachs come out of their mouths. Like pressure is, fish are really sensitive to pressure. So just pulling them up from like the deep waters is really, really bad. Very cruel way to kill an animal. So just a little bit of science behind the evidence that fish feel pain, because I know that some people are like, well, okay, you're telling me that they feel pain, but how do they feel pain and how do we know this is a thing? So I want to touch on this a little bit. I don't want to go into like way too much scientific detail, but I think it's worth noting like how they actually feel pain and some of the studies that have gone behind it. So pain receptor neurons, which are known as nociceptors, exist in the peripheral nervous system and they're sensitive to stimulation in humans and fish. They generate an automatic instinctive response to pain. Like when you touch the stove, like a hot object, and you pull your hand back before you even notice that like you're in pain. It just your hand automatically gets pulled back. Fish have those nociceptors as well. They've been found distributed across the bodies of certain fish species, and they have a high concentration around the fins, tail, eyes, and nostrils. And then nerve fibers transmit neurons from those nociceptor sites to other parts of the nervous system to generate a further response, exactly like it happens in humans and other mammals. And in humans and other mammals, opioids are produced by the body in a response to pain. So once you're injured, opioids are produced to help your body deal with the pain. Fish also produce opioids, which is further evidence that they consciously experience pain. Because why else would your body be creating essentially painkillers? So things like morphine, oxycodone, those are synthetic opioid drugs that are designed to mimic these natural painkillers that your bodies have. And those drugs are also known to work on fish as well further evidence that they scientifically feel pain. So we know that fish have like the receptors and the nervous system to feel pain and that their bodies produce pain relieving opioids. So we know that they can feel pain and that they do feel pain. But there have been some studies that have been done because people want to know with studies, okay, show me that a fish actually feels pain. We know they can but show me that they actually do. So some studies have been done over the years that conclude that fish do feel pain. So in one study, acetic acid was injected into the lips of rainbow trout, and they began to breathe more quickly. They started rocking back and forth on the bottom of the tank. They're rubbing their lips against the gravel and against the side of the tank, and it took more than twice as long to for them to go back to eating as fish 
that were injected with like a saline, like a saltwater solution. Another group of fish was injected with acid and then morphine as well. And they showed some unusual behavior, but to like a much lesser extent. And fish that were injected with saline, kind of like a control group of fish, didn't behave oddly at all. In another test, zebrafish were given the choice between two aquariums. One of the aquariums was like completely plain, like just nothing in it, just water in an aquarium. The other one had gravel, it had some plants, it had a view of other fish, and consistently the zebrafish preferred to spend time in the nicer decorated aquarium. But then they injected some of the fish with acid and the plain aquarium, the one that they didn't want to spend time in, the boring one, was flooded with lidocaine, which is like a pain numbing liquid, and they switched which tank they were in. So they went from the nice gravelly tank with plants and other fish to the completely barren plain tank that had lidocaine in it. And then that exact study was repeated, but with one change. And instead of putting the lidocaine into the tank, into the water of the tank, it was just injected into the fish themselves. And so they just had it in them no matter which tank they were in. And they stayed in the nice tank. Instead of leaving to go get the lidocaine, which they needed for their pain, they had it already injected in them. And they stayed in the like nice tank with the plant and the fish and such. So it goes to show the fish feel pain. So another kind of unique study that was done was done on trout, which trout are neophobic, meaning that they actively avoid new objects. And in this study, trout that were injected with acetic acid showed little response to like a Lego tower that was placed in their tank, a brightly colored Lego tower, suggesting that their attention was focused instead on the pain that they were feeling. In contrast, Trout injected with saline, so again, kind of like a control group, as well as trout who were given painkillers after they were injected with the acid, showed the usual caution that they would normally have regarding the new object. Like, what in the fuck is this Lego tower? Whereas the ones that were injected with acetic acid literally did not seem like they were focused on it at all because pain interferes with normal cognitive abilities, just like in humans. So really, bottom line... As far as those studies have done and the general scientific community now recognizes that fish feel pain. So it really doesn't seem like that great of an ethical choice to consume fish when we know they are suffering. But when you're going fishing for fish in the ocean, fish are not the only victims. Sea turtles, sharks, whales, dolphins, all sorts of other sea life often end up dead at the hands of the fishing industry. Most people are afraid of sharks. Like, sharks are terrifying. You don't want to get killed by a shark. Sharks kill 12 people a year. But humans kill 11,000 to 30,000 sharks per hour. Per hour. 50 million sharks are killed every year through bycatch alone. I'm going to be talking about bycatch a little bit more later. But pretty much they're scooped up from the ocean accidentally while they're hunting for other fish. So we're not even trying to get the sharks, but because they're hunting the fish we want, they end up being scooped up and being killed. 11,000 to 30,000 sharks per hour. It's just so many. And without sharks and other fish at the top of the food chain, the ocean's ecosystem is, n- is not going to be able to cope. And without the ocean's ecosystem, we won't be able to cope either. And living off the sea has been a way of life for 
so many coastal communities. This way of life has been how they've lived for years, but now it's being threatened by massive commercial fishing vessels that are completely depleting the ocean's resources and the small fishing villages on the coastline are really starting to struggle. Fishermen who have traditionally relied on fishing off the coastline now have to go out further and further into rough waters to find the food to feed themselves and their community. So it's not only affecting the ocean life, it's affecting the people on the land that that rely on fish for their main source of nutrition. Plus, a lot of fishing that is done out on the open oceans are done so with slave labor. Many of these people out there fishing on these boats are children who have been sold into the industry and they're treated absolutely horribly and have no choice whether to be there or not. If anyone who was sold into the fishing industry tries to escape, they're just killed. So you really, I mean, again, it's slave labor. You do not have a choice. You're being forced into working on these ships. And I don't think a lot of people understand that when they're choosing to eat fish, they're also probably negatively affecting another human being's life as well. And the fishing industry receives $35 billion in subsidies a year. $35 billion in subsidies a year. It would cost $33 billion a year to end world hunger. So these fishing industries who are just completely destroying so much of the environment, which we're going to get into later, and killing so many of these fish who genuinely feel pain, they're getting all of this money when it could be going towards ending world hunger. And I think that is a huge ethical thing that we need to be thinking about is not only the the fish feeling pain and how horrible it is ethically to be treating an animal that way. But there are people's lives that are being impacted in a really, really negative way as well because of the fishing industry. So when you consider the fact that you don't have to eat fish to have a nutritionally sufficient diet, it is a lot harder to justify fishing because it causes unnecessary suffering and people are being hurt, fish are being hurt when there's alternatives that it, that readily exist. So what about catch and release fishing for fun? Isn't it ethical? While we're on the topic of, of, of ethical reasons as to why a lot of people don't want to eat fish, catch and release fishing is seen to a lot of people as a harmless hobby because there's a huge belief that fish do not experience pain, at least in the same way that we do, and they don't suffer when a hook goes through their lips or jaws or anywhere else. A lot of people think that the wriggling and like squirming about and flopping around that fish do when they're hooked and taken out of the water are just like more of an automatic behavior than something conscious or something that they're actually feeling. It's just kind of how they react. But like we talked about, research is showing more and more that these beliefs are incorrect. Researchers have actually created like a detailed map of more than 20 pain receptors or nociceptors, as they're called, in a fish's mouth and their heads, including the areas where a fisherman's hook would go into a fish's flesh. There's lots of pain receptors in those areas. So for all the reasons above, you know, all the studies that have been done, all of the information that is out there now that fish feel pain and suffocate when they're pulled out of water goes to show that fishing for fun really is nothing more than like a cruel sport. It's not nice. It's not good when when they're hooked onto an angler's hook and they're yanked out of the water. It's not fun for them. It's not 
a game. They're scared, they're in pain, and they're essentially just fighting for their lives. So to do that for fun is just cruel. It's just bottom line cruel. If you if something clearly is feeling pain and you're doing it for fun, to me it's fucked up. And I get it. Like there's people out there including members of my family that fish for fun and really take care to do it in a way that feels like it creates the least amount of pain and suffering for the fish. And if if that feels good for you, you do you. But it's, it is a cruel sport, bottom line. Like, those fish are feeling pain. They're terrified. And if that's fun for you, so be it. But I kind of think it's fucked up. But yeah, I just think that anytime someone hurts an animal when they don't have to, they're behaving in a really cruel way. So to kind of wrap up the ethical side of things, for me, bottom line, this is someone else's body that we're talking about. It was a life that had to end so that someone could eat it. I don't want to put a dead body in my body. I just don't really vibe with that. I don't want someone's life to end so that I can eat their body, especially if they suffered during the process and if it is unnecessary. If I don't need to eat fish for any reason, then why would I hurt a fish or cause any amount of suffering so that I can eat the fish. Y'all know I'm an ethical vegan. I'm vegan for the animals, forever will be, and that's just how it is for me. So the ethical side of things is a huge, huge reason as to why I think people shouldn't be eating fish. There's definitely other reasons, and we're going to talk about those, but the ethical side of things is really, like, huge for me. Why cause suffering? Why be so cruel to an animal who is suffering and feels pain when we don't need to. Okay, I gotta take a deep breath because that shit gets me riled up. Like, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that any kind of animal suffering just really hits me. It makes me so sad and upset. And so thinking about that just just gets me down. So, okay, take a deep breath. Let's move on. Let's talk about farmed fish because farmed fish aka aquaculture now accounts for half of all of the fish eaten in the united states so half of the fish is coming from fish farms instead of being caught wild so fish on these fish farms really suffer quite a bit they suffer from disease they suffer from being crowded in so close together as many as 40 percent of farmed fish die before they're even slaughtered because it's just not great conditions at all. Conventionally farmed fish are typically packed in their net or pen as tight as you could imagine. So they're out usually in open water, but they have a giant net around them so they can't get out. And they're just like jam-packed in there, like touching, like up against each other. Like they're just smashed in there because the more fish that you can produce, the more fish you can sell, the more money you make. But these unnatural conditions create a huge amount of disease and parasites which often migrate off of the fish farms and infect wild fish fish populations because it doesn't always just stay in this little pen. So these diseases, these parasites can get out into the open fish population. And salmon naturally have a lot of parasites. It's just common for salmon, including sea lice, viruses, and bacteria. So when you cram them into a pen together, This creates a breeding ground for these diseases, and outbreaks are really, really, really common. And like livestock, where they're also jam-packed together like they should not be, they pump them full of antibiotics and other chemicals to stave off these diseases, 
And then humans who are consuming the fish end up ingesting these antibiotics and these other chemicals. And that can lead to antibiotic resistance in humans, just like with livestock. And not only are fish farms really horrible for the fish living on the farms, dealing with these diseases and being so jam-packed in there that they can't even move around, the farmed fishing industry also impacts wild species of fish, which seems like, you know, why would that be a thing? Well, yeah, you would think that because we're farming fish, it's going gonna, it's gonna to remove a strain on these wild fish populations. But fish farms actually contribute to the overfishing of wild species. Because while some farmed fish can live on diets of corn or soy, other fish need to eat fish. And they need to eat a lot of fish. A lot of the farmed fish species are predators, meaning that they have to be fed other fish to survive. They can't just eat soy or corn. So for example, salmon and tuna must consume around five pounds of fish to gain each pound of body weight on their bodies. So it takes 70 wild-caught fish to produce one farm-raised salmon. 70 wild-caught fish to produce one farm-raised salmon. So they're going out into the open waters, catching fish to feed the fish on the fish farms. So the result is that their food, aka other fish, are being fished to extinction nearly so that we can feed the fish on the world's fish farms. And all of the commercially caught fish comes with heavy doses of toxins, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. And those toxins are then fed to the fish on the fish farms, and it gets really concentrated into the farmed fish, making it really one of the most toxic things that humans routinely put into their bodies. Farmed fish is not good. It's full of lots and lots of toxins. And farmed salmon have twice the fat, typically, of wild salmon. And guess where toxins collect? In the fat. So farmed fish typically collect a lot more toxins than wild fish. And farmed fish is typically not as nutritious as wild fish. Take omega-3 fatty acids, for example, which is the main reason people eat fish. And we're going to, again, talk more about this when we get into the health aspects of eating fish. But wild fish get their omega-3s from plants like algae. But farmed fish don't have access to plants like that. They're fed things like corn, soy, vegetable oils that really have no omega-3s. And when they consume this type of feed, they can accumulate higher levels of saturated fats, and they have a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, which you want it to be the other way around. You want higher omega-3s and lower omega-6. But oftentimes, farm fish are, are the reverse, which is really not ideal. Omega-3 fights inflammation while omega-6 promotes it. So a lot of people are eating fish thinking they're getting high omega-3s and really being healthy when in fact farm fish, it's the other way around. Higher saturated fats, higher omega-6 because of the diet that they're fed. They're not fed a natural diet that they would be getting out in the wild. So yeah, farm salmon are fed pellets. Typically their food comes in pellets that are made out of some fish oil, some smaller fish, a lot of times ground up chicken feathers, poultry poop, like chicken poop, uh, genetically modified yeast, soybeans, chicken fat, just kind of fed a lot of like a mix of random things to give them calories. And because it eats those pellets, farmed salmon is gray. So guess what they do to make it more appetizing to consumers and to make it seem like it's actually like wild caught like fish, farmers add dyes to their feed, which makes the fish 
that like pinkish orange color that you're used to. So if you were to eat farmed salmon without that dye, it just would be gray because it's just not eating a natural diet at all. So yeah, not only are farmed fish not good for you, super toxic, typically high in saturated fat. The omega-3 to omega-6 ratio is all backwards. They're full of weird food and dye and just all of that take into account. There's also environmental concerns to be aware of. Pollution from fish poop and uh, uneaten feed travels out into the open waters. Farms release diseases to wild fish stocks, which can wreak havoc on these wild fish that live in the area. And then there's going to be escapees. Some of the fish are going to escape and some of them are accidentally released into the wild where there's no natural populations of whatever kind of fish that is. And then they can start out competing native fish populations. So it can really affect the fish in that area that are native to that area because there's no way to make sure that no, none of these fish are going to escape these little nets. Like it's going to happen and it can really, really have negative impacts on the fish the, the native wild fish that live in that area. Another really shitty thing that happens on fish farms is the breeding of the fish because in the wild, fish have really particular breeding habits. For example, salmon who breed after going a long way, traveling great distances at particular times of the year, don't have that option. Their, their natural spawning cycles are not accommodated by fish farms. Instead, they are manipulated to make sure that they're going to produce the most and stay on these production schedules to make money. And some species of fish do not breed at all in captivity. Like they're just like, fuck this. I'm not breeding. This is not this is not an ideal situation to create more fish. They're just stressed out. And when you're stressed out, you're not going to be breeding. So because of these reasons, the the farmed fish industry induces breeding using a variety of methods. A lot of times fish are injected with hormones because their breeding cycles are moderated by hormones. They often like change the amount of light or dark that these fish get and try to replicate natural environments to induce a state of like reproductive readiness. And then once the fish are in this reproductive readiness state, the female fish is stripped which is where her abdomen is squeezed and it sends a stream of eggs shooting from her body and they collect it into a basin. And then the males, the sperm is collected kind of like a similar method of massage or they surgically remove their testes or they use like a catheter that sucks the sperm out of their body. So in each case with the male and female, they're being like handled and forced into reproducting in a way that is not natural at all. And then the eggs and the sperm are brought together in separate tanks where the eggs are hatched and begin to grow. So very obvious that farmed fish are getting handled throughout their lifespan and no animal wants to be, wants their reproductive cycle messed up like that. Like that's something that is so fucked up to fuck around with that just bothers me so much. So they're getting handled throughout their lifespans, not only for reproductive benefits, which are fucked up beyond belief to do that to an animal, but they are also handled for getting vaccines and tagging the fish and all of the things that you would need to handle the fish for. They're just, they're handled a lot. And catching the fish is really stressful and their bodies 
are often damaged and they lose eyes, they lose fins, they lose scales. And a lot of, like like I said, 40% of these fish are dying even before they're slaughtered because of how horrible these conditions are for them. It's just really bad. Like, farmed fish is really bad. And that's what half of the Americans are eating now is farmed fish. And it's really not good, as you can see. Okay, so we've been touching on the health aspects of eating fish a little bit throughout the episode, but before we dive into it more fully, I want to talk a little bit more about Holier, the sponsor of this episode. Absolutely love Holier. If you've been listening to the podcast, y'all know I take Holier every day and I just love them. I wouldn't change my supplement routine at all. It's perfect for me and it's perfect for vegans and other people eating a plant-based diet because it is designed for us. Not all vegan multivitamins are the same. Just because a multivitamin is vegan doesn't mean it has the right nutrients for someone eating a vegan diet. A lot of vegan vitamin brands use inactive forms of the vitamins that your body can't absorb, and they use dosages that aren't appropriate for people eating this way. But Holier has done their research, and they have created a multivitamin that is catered to people like us. The multivitamin includes eight vitamins and minerals that are usually kind of harder to come by on a vegan diet. You can get a lot of them from your food, but a lot of people are deficient in some of these vitamins and minerals. So Holier has put it into their multivitamin, so you don't even have to worry about it. So in the multivitamin, you have B12 and D3. You have your omega-3, DHA, and EPA, which is what we've been talking about a bunch in this episode, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the next section. So very important to be making sure you're getting enough omega-3s. Love that Holier includes them in the DHA and EPA form. Holier also has iron, iodine, selenium, zinc, and vitamin K2. So they really made sure that things that vegans are oftentimes low in are included. So you have peace of mind knowing that your body is getting what it needs. And I also love that they come in a glass bottle and then when you get your refill packs, they're just in compostable packs and you just refill your glass bottle up. So it's it's awesome that way as well. So if you're interested in trying Holier, you can use my code HOWTOVEGAN and you'll get a 20% discount if you're a first-time customer. A link with the pre-applied discount will be in the show's description, so you can just open up the description of this episode, click on the link, and you will be all set to go. Okay, let's talk about health stuff now, because I think a lot of people are really curious to know how beneficial it is to eat fish, how healthy is it, how unhealthy is it. Let's get into it. So, our oceans are polluted. Bottom line, our oceans are polluted and they're becoming more and more polluted every single day. So eating fish comes with ever-increasing health concerns. Our oceans just are not as clean as they once were, and this affects the fish and other living beings that live in them. Fish is now one of the least clean foods you can put on your plate. It's the opposite of clean, to be honest. First of all, fish and shellfish are full of microplastics. Seafood eaters ingest up to 11,000 tiny pieces of plastic every single year, and dozens of those particles become embedded in their tissues. According to many studies, fish are loaded with microplastics, and microplastics are just teeny, teeny pieces of plastic that you end up consuming when you eat the fish. Oceans are pretty much landfills and have been for a long time, and fish end up mistaking the garbage that humans throw out in the ocean for food, and they eat 
the garbage. According to a 2017 UN report, there are more than 51 trillion microplastic particles in the sea. Remember when we talked about 3 trillion fish and how many that was? 51 trillion microplastic particles in the sea. The microplastics float on the surface of the water, they stick to PCBs and pesticides that love plastic, and then fish end up eating them because they're so small. And these little tiny beads of plastic accumulate in the fish, and then people consume the fish thinking that they're improving their health and thinking that they're getting essential nutrients that they need, like omega-3s. And researchers don't know very much right now about the effects of ingesting plastic on fish or humans, but there is evidence that microplastics and even smaller particles of plastic called nanoplastics can move from a fish's stomach to its muscle tissues, which is what people eat. There is a huge need for studies analyzing how how frequently these plastics transfer from fish to humans and then how it affects the human body, but it seems pretty straightforward that consuming plastic is not good. And so much non-recycled plastic is dumped into the ocean daily that these this plastic contamination in seafood is only going to keep growing. As of now, it is not going to get better. And both wild and farmed fish live in these polluted waters, and they are rapidly accumulating plastic and dangerous toxins. The most prominent of these are polychlorinated biphenyls, or PCBs. And PCBs are synthetic chemicals that are known to cause cancer. They affect neurological development, including your short-term memory, including your learning. They affect your endocrine system. They affect your reproductive system. They affect the immune system. PCBs are known to be horrible. They're not good. Ingesting PCBs is really, really bad for your body. And despite being banned in much of the world, our oceans are heavily polluted with PCBs, and then they are concentrated into the flesh of fish. And because of this, in 2002, 38 states in the United States issued fish consumption advisories because of such high levels of PCB that were found. So not only are fish full of PCBs and other harmful chemicals, I don't have it in my notes, but I remember reading somewhere that 80% of all chemicals created since the Industrial Revolution are found in fish. So there's dioxins, there's, there's so many toxins in fish, but there's also mercury. And that, I think, is the thing that most people are aware of or have heard of is mercury in fish. According to the New England Journal of Medicine, fish are the main, if not only, source of methylmercury, a substance that has been linked to cardiovascular disease, fetal brain damage, deafness, blindness, issues with motor skills, attention spans, language, learning. Consuming mercury or any other kind of heavy metal is not good. And there's a lot of mercury in fish. I just think it's so interesting that pregnant women are advised to eat two to three servings of fish per week, but no more than that at all because of the levels in mercury in fish when they could just not eat the fish and not be getting mercury at all and not be potentially harming their fetus and themselves. They can just skip the fish. They can get what they need without ingesting mercury. 
The U.S. dietary guidelines recommend 8 to 10 ounces of fish a week, and nutritionists are always pointing out the importance of eating fish for the omega-3 fatty acids that fish offer in abundance. And that benefit of eating fish from cold ocean waters is completely irrefutable. These fish offer excellent sources of omega-3s, DHA, and EPA. And those molecules are associated with better brain health. Omega-3s, EPA, and DHA are very, very, very important. We need to be making sure that we're consuming enough of those for brain health. Fortunately, there are vegan sources that contain omega-3s. Chia seeds are full of this fat, and walnuts, and flax seeds. I, every single day, try to make sure I'm eating chia seeds, flax seeds, and walnuts, because your body can convert the omega-3 in those those foods into DHA and EPA, which are really important nutrients for your brain. But something to consider is that people vary widely in their ability to create DHA and EPA from omega-3. So as a backup, you might want to supplement. I think it's a good idea to supplement because messing around with your brain health isn't really worth it to me, which is why I love that Holier includes EPA and DHA in their, in their multivitamin. And for a long time, fish products were the only reliable way to get EPA and DHA. But fortunately, you can get a vegan supplement, which is derived from algae, which is where the fish get it, that contain DHA and EPA, like holier. And vegan omega-3 supplements are much less likely than fish-derived supplements to contain mercury, plastics, and other contaminants like we like we've talked about. And you can also just get an omega-3 DHA and EPA supplement if you don't want to get like a full multivitamin. So if you're feeling like you're getting everything else, but you want to make sure that you're getting a DHA and EPA supplement, you can totally find those as well. I'll leave a link to the one that I used to take in the show notes for you. So yeah, fish is a rich source of omega-3 fatty acids. That is why most governmental bodies tell you that you should be eating fish because they know how important those things are. But when you're also consuming high levels of mercury and toxins just to get the omega-3s, it doesn't seem worth it to me. And not only are they full of mercury and toxins and PCBs and dioxins and all these other chemicals, they are also highly packaged with saturated fat. And saturated fat has forever been linked to cardiovascular disease. High saturated fat consumption worsens your blood pressure. And given the fact that heart disease is the number one killer in the world and that saturated fat and cholesterol, which you get from animal products, plays such a big role in the prevalence of heart disease, it seems like you would want to reduce your saturated fat and your cholesterol so that you can avoid that disease. So focusing on one ingredient, saying, I'm going to eat fish to get my omega-3s, but not even worrying at all about what else you're getting in that fish is not smart and it is not good for your overall health to focus on one single ingredient in something. So if you're wanting to improve your overall health, eating fish for omega-3s is not the way to go when you can get your omega-3s elsewhere and skip all of that other shit that comes with eating fish. Another thing that confuses me, like the pregnant women eating fish thing confuses me, is that Diabetes is another disease that official dietary recommendations have encouraged the consumption of fish. If you have diabetes, we encourage you to eat fish, but it doesn't help. It may actually worsen type 2 diabetes. In studies that have been done, researchers found that as 
people ate more fish, the incidence of type 2 diabetes increased. And one reason for fish consumption increasing diabetes risk may be the fact that the fish are high high in fat. And we think that fish is a lean meat. I mean, I always thought that fish was a lean meat and that they're naturally low in fat. However, this is not the case. Many types of fish have fat content exceeding 20% of total calories. And the root cause of type 2 diabetes is excess fat inside of your muscle cells, which causes insulin resistance to develop. So when you're eating fatty fish, you get fatty muscle cells, and along with that can come type 2, type 2 diabetes. So that was another thing that while doing research, it was like, why are they recommending eating fish to people who have heart disease, to people who have diabetes, when in fact, it's probably making it worse? I mean, we live in the United States and we know that when you go to the hospital after you have a heart attack, they oftentimes feed you like a shitty burger, which they feed you the food that created the issue in the first place. So I'm not saying that they they know what's going on nutritionally. I just think it's super fucked up that they recommend these foods to people that it's really probably just making them more and more sick. So are fish healthy to eat for omega-3s? Yes. But just to get omega-3s and eat all of that other stuff as well is definitely not worth it and definitely not good for your overall health. And if all that isn't enough to make you say, I'm not going to eat fish, I don't want to consume all of that shit, remember, seafood is the number one cause of food poisoning in the United States. And if you've ever had food poisoning, you know how bad it is. You know you'll avoid anything to get food poisoning again. So keep all that in mind, that, that eating fish is not good. It really is unhealthy. It creates way too many health risks, and the risks are only getting worse and worse the more polluted our oceans are becoming. Okay, so we've talked about the ethical reasons behind not eating fish. We've talked about some of the health benefits and health risks of consuming fish. But the real kicker for me, the the real thing that just really got me riled up while researching for this episode are the environmental impacts of consuming fish and seafood. Fishing poses grave threats to our oceans. Our oceans are being completely destroyed. Ancient coral reefs are being decimated at levels that are unprecedented, and this is due to commercial fishing, fishing done on an industrial scale. As a result of fishing, 90% of large fish populations have been exterminated in the past 50 years. 90% of large fish populations have been exterminated. And then the fish who eat those fish are being decimated as well because they depend on eating those fish. So it's like that domino effect. It could disrupt our ocean's ecosystems for millions of years to come. It's terrifying. And say you're a consumer and you're going out of your way to buy sustainable seafood. You may think you're doing the right thing, but you might still be purchasing fish from fisheries who are not really using sustainable methods of production. Fraud and mislabeling is rampant in the seafood industry. It's really hard to control things out on the ocean, out on the open ocean. It's such a huge space that that overseeing it is almost impossible. A huge study was done involving more than 9,000 seafood purchases from 30 different countries, and 40% of those samples were mislabeled. That's how terrifying the whole industry is because there's no way to regulate it. The industry has a web of practices in place to systematically make sure that they're evading efforts to enforce their catch limits and live up to human rights standards. 
the whole thing is a fucking mess. Like, it is so bad. I spent so much time researching it and I still can't fully wrap my head around how horrible this industry can be. And we talked about earlier bycatch. Everyone who eats fish needs to know about bycatch because you think, oh, they're going out and catching tuna and they're just scooping up the tuna and then we're getting the tuna and that's what we're eating. That is not how it works. The term bycatch refers to the unwanted animals who are netted or hooked and then typically thrown back into the water dead. Because by the time they bring them up to the surface, they're either crushed or they suffocate and they just toss them back in the water because they don't need them. So they're just thrown back into the water dead. And the, the stuff that gets caught in these nets are things like turtles and seabirds and dolphins and sharks, like we mentioned earlier. In the shrimp industry, there can be up to 20 pounds of bycatch for each pound of harvested shrimp. So they're getting the shrimp successful. Oh, got the shrimp. But 20 pounds per pound of shrimp is stuff that is unwanted, is are animals that are alive and want to live and don't need to be caught. It's a disaster. It's a mess. Over 300,000 whales and dolphins are killed every single year because of bycatch. 300,000 whales and dolphins as bycatch of industrial fishing. It's just not okay. I don't understand how you could be working on these fishing vessels and be getting all of that bycatch and be, and feeling like this was okay. It's just, it's, it's horribly sad. Every second, more than 1,800 pounds of wild fish are caught illegally at sea, mostly in like the so-called international waters that lie beyond national boundaries. 1,800 pounds of wild fish are caught illegally. That's like 211 fully loaded Boeing 747s every day. 211 of those every day coming up with illegally caught fish. So not only is there, there mislabeling going on and the, the bycatch and just killing animals that aren't even intentionally meant to be killed, there's a lot of illegal fishing going on on purpose. And the consequences of this illegal, unreported, and unregulated, or IUU, fishing are staggering. As much as 30% of the world's seafood now comes from IUU fishing, and it generates up to $30 billion in revenue a year. And it comes with some really unsavory practices, labor and environmental violations, corruption, bribery, money laundering, violence, human trafficking, anything that is going to create that much profit is going to come with corruption. And it is really hard to regulate out on the open seas, like I've said. And as far as the environmental aspects go with this illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing, the overfishing, the emissions created by the boats, the problems of bycatch, the huge resources needed and animals killed through the bycatch for farmed fish feed are some of the reasons why legitimately, if you care about the environment, you should really truly consider going vegan or eating a lot less seafood or no seafood or no fish anymore if you're not fully ready to go vegan yet. But fishing is so bad for the environment. It's just horrible in so many ways. It's so bad for the environment. And the worst part is that the fishing industry really does trash our oceans. Like I said, as a result of commercial fishing, 90% of large fish populations have been exterminated in the past 50 years. 90%. It's not even half. It's 90%. Almost all of the large fish populations are gone. And one of the reasons this happens is because of bottom trawling. We talked about trawling earlier with the big net between 
two big boats that kind of scoop everything up, bottom trawling is even worse. Many commercial fishing vessels practice bottom trawling in order to get the sea animals who live near, on, or even underneath the seafloor. So things like cod, grouper, flounder, scallops, shrimp. And bottom trawling is when a boat drags a heavy weighted net along the ocean floor and it kills everything in its path. So just a huge weighted net that just drags across the bottom of the ocean floor. And this bottom trawling fishing is destroying 3.9 billion acres, an area over three times the size of the Amazon, of seafloor every year. Every single year. Almost 4 billion acres of seafloor is being destroyed every year. Scientists say that this destruction that is caused by bottom trawling is similar to that caused by clear-cutting old forests just on a much greater scale. Bottom trawling is possibly the largest human-caused disturbance to the biosphere. It's like bulldozers just going across the bottom of the ocean, rototilling the bottom of the ocean, just destroying anything that is down there, and it is absolutely horrible. It is so bad for the environment. If we don't have fish, then the animals that eat the fish don't have fish, and it's just a domino effect that is going to destroy this planet. Fishing. Something we don't even need. Well, most of us don't need. Like I said, subsistence fishing versus commercial industrial fishing, those are two different things. So again, the people that rely on this and fish in their kind of a give and take situation, that's different than this commercial fishing that I'm talking about. Overfishing is a huge problem too. Scientists estimate that by 2048, all fish stocks will have totally collapsed because of overfishing. And that is probably irreversible. And it, this is so important because the ocean plays such a big part in regulating the temperature of this planet. It also creates 50% of our oxygen. So again, this, this 2048 date is something that comes up a lot in research. 2048, that is not that far away. And a lot of people, a lot of scientists are estimating that all of the fish is going to be gone. That we'll have, possibly have fishless oceans. I've also heard that that date, that estimation is maybe based off of older data and might not be completely accurate any longer. But either way, if it's 2058, 2068, relatively soon we are going to completely destroy the fish populations in our ocean, which is going to create, again, a horrible negative domino effect that is going to affect all of us. Fishing is also a major source of ocean pollution and plastic contamination because a lot of fishing equipment is discarded into the ocean, just like they dump garbage and shit into the ocean. The fishing gear is often discarded or sometimes just lost into the ocean or, you know, whether it's accidental or on purpose, there's lots of fishing gear in the ocean. Most of the world's large ocean plastic is ghost gear or discarded fishing equipment. One study found that 70% by weight of macroplastic, so bigger plastic, floating on the ocean's surface was fishing-related plastics. Fishing nets make up 40% of the buoyant plastic in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch is massive. I, it's a huge patch of plastic floating in the ocean that is, I believe, larger than the size of Texas. And most of that is fishing gear. Plastic from fishing in the ocean. And that fishing equipment continues to kill fish and other animals for years, even years and years after it was thrown away. 
So eliminating fish from your diet truly is the single biggest thing you can do to reduce ocean plastic pollution. We all know there was a huge push for no more plastic straws because plastic straws are harming the environment. And while that's a great step to take, it comes nowhere near how big of an impact not eating fish has on the environment, on the ocean, on the plastic that's put into the ocean. So please consider going vegan or working towards eating a more plant-based diet, eliminating or reducing most seafood, including fish, shrimp, lobster, crab, if you can, because it is the single biggest thing you can do to fight climate change and reduce plastic pollution. So if you give a shit about the environment, stop eating fish. I mean, very rarely am I that direct, but this is so important that it, it needs like a direct statement. Like, stop eating fish if you care about the environment, let alone your health and let alone the, the fish themselves suffering. If you give a shit about the environment and want your kids to have a healthy planet to live on and their kids or just future generations, even if you don't have kids, then stop eating fish because it is truly fucking shit up. If you have a choice, again, some people don't have a choice and need to eat fish. If you have a choice and have other options, please consider not eating fish anymore. Okay, so I said I'd touch on it a little bit. What about oysters? Are oysters vegan? A lot of vegans eat oysters and still consider themselves to be vegan because they don't have central nervous systems and therefore can't feel pain is kind of what a lot of people have concluded. But oysters are not vegan because these bivalve mollusks are part of the biological kingdom animalia, aka the animal kingdom. So just as cows, horses, fish, bees, snails are all animals, so too are oysters. And they're usually really high in microplastics too because they filter the ocean. So they're really, really high in microplastics. So they're not vegan. They're not that great for you. I actually might do a whole episode on this that kind of dives in a little bit deeper. But for those of you wondering, no, eating an oyster is not vegan. Oysters are not vegan. If you want me to do a whole episode on oysters, let me know because I think it's interesting and I don't know a whole lot about it. But technically not vegan and probably really not great to eat since they're typically really high in microplastics. Okay, so now that we all know how awful eating fish really is for a multitude of reasons, there are lots of replacements and alternatives and recipes for those of you that are like, oh my god, but I love fish. Like, I love sushi. I love fish sticks. I love crab cakes. I love XYZ. Whatever it is for you, there are a lot of replacements and alternatives out there and they're getting better all of the time. So Gardein makes some golden fishless fillets and crabless cakes. I tried them when they first came out and I didn't like them, but I have heard so many people say that they love them. So maybe they reformulated or maybe I didn't cook it right. But Gardein makes some replacements and alternatives. Some other brands out there do as well. Good Catch Food makes fish sticks, fish fillets, crab cakes, and more. Sophie's Kitchen makes crab cakes, fish fillets, shrimp, scallops, smoked salmon, and tuna. Loma Linda makes tuna, like cans and pouches of tuna, but it's vegan tuna, including lemon pepper, sriracha, and sesame ginger. Vegan Z-Star, Z-Star, Z-E-A-S-T-A-R, makes sashimi and shrimp and cod. They're more European distribution focused 
but it's out there. Ocean Hugger Foods, New Wave Foods, Cavi Art. There's lots of brands out there that are really focusing on making alternatives to fish and seafood. So if you see something, you might as well try it because you never know, you might like it. I am at the point now where I don't really miss fish. Like I don't, that's like one of the last things that I like crave. It just doesn't sound good to me at all really anymore. Besides crab cakes, like that sounds good. Fish and fish and chips sound good too. But I have a great recipe for crab cakes. Oh my god. It reminds me of the crab cakes that I used to eat when I worked at the fish restaurant I worked at. And they're made from hearts of palm. So I will definitely leave that recipe in the show notes for you because they're so good with like this creamy red remoulade sauce to go with them. So fucking good. Like I haven't made those in years and I should make them because they're really good. There are lots of recipes out there. If you're looking for something similar to like a fish meal type thing, whatever it is that you used to eat. So sushi, if you miss sushi, there's tons of awesome recipes out there using like tomatoes and watermelon and carrots to mimic like the raw fish texture and flavor. So literally, if you just go onto YouTube or Pinterest and type in like vegan tuna sushi, you'll find recipes and you can find one that sounds good to you. There's recipes for lox, you know, like lox and cream cheese on bagels using carrots. There's recipes for tuna salad using chickpeas or jackfruit. You can make homemade fish sticks with like a marinated tofu wrapped in a nori sheet. Literally, there's so many recipes for so many things out there these days. Just type in what you're looking for with the word vegan in front of it and you should find what you're looking for and you can start testing out recipes. So if you're feeling like you're really missing something, try to find an alternative because it probably exists. I'll leave links in the show notes to some of the stuff that I mentioned in case you're needing like a jumping off point and want to find specific recipes or brands that I talked about. So definitely check out the show notes. I'll leave some links there for you. So kind of wrapping things up, there are obviously so many reasons to stop eating fish, to stop eating seafood. There really is no reason to keep eating it. So why keep eating it? Why continue to eat something that you know A, can feel pain and seem to suffer tremendously. B, has no real health benefits and actually has a lot of health risks. And C, is completely fucking up our planet beyond belief. There's no reason to consume it, so why continue to consume it? The reason people consume it is for their pleasure, because they like the taste of it. Which seems so selfish to me. Like, really? You can't just eat something else? There are thousands and thousands of other things you can eat. Why eat something so devastating in so many different ways? And yes, going vegan is a great first step. So eliminating seafood, going vegan is a huge, huge first step and something that I highly recommend. If you don't like all the stuff that I talked about today and want to do something about it, consider going vegan. But we really need to try to persuade people to work together and to push for change in policy that will rein in an industry which is breaking the law and causing a huge amount of environmental destruction. Because policy change is crucial in order for real change to happen. We need to push for legislative changes. We need to push for improved enforcement of existing laws to make sure that laws aren't being broken and that shit is getting done in the way that it should be. Just like the fight against tobacco in indoor places was won by smoking bans and not by appealing to smokers, the fight against illegal fishing and other shit that the fishing industry is doing will be won by political actions directed at governments, not appealing to 
vegans. Not saying don't eat fish. I mean, that's going to make a difference, but we really need to fight for policy change and change on a bigger level in order for stuff to actually start to really, really change. So keep that in mind. Stop eating fish if you don't want to contribute to any of the shit we talked about, but find ways to to work together to, to try to get policy to be changed because that's where the real change comes. All right. I think that's it. Oh my goodness. That was a intense episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you found it helpful. I hope you found what you were looking for when you clicked on this episode. If you have any questions at all, if I didn't cover something that you were hoping I was going to cover, please hit me up. Please email me. Please send me a DM on Instagram and let me know and I can start a conversation with you and possibly the listeners because I really tried to cover as much as I could in this episode and I really, there was so much research out there again that I did that I, I tried to rein it in and make things make sense. So hopefully I did. But again, if you have any questions or anything you want to further talk about, hit me up. I would love to chat with you about it. If you liked this episode, please share it with anybody who you think might enjoy this episode as well or people who have been questioning why don't you eat fish send them this episode and then they might start to understand it so yeah share this episode with anyone who you think might enjoy it make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts turn on your auto downloads so you can listen to this episode wherever you are and if you're loving the podcast which i really hope you are head on over to itunes or the apple podcast app And please leave a rating and a review. It helps so much. Like, it helps so much. And I know I say this every episode, but those of you that leave reviews, take the time out of your day to go leave a quick review. It really means a lot to me and it really helps push the podcast up in the ratings. And that means more and more people see it. And hopefully more and more people will stop consuming animal products for a multitude of reasons. So thank you so much to those of you who have left reviews. It really, really means a lot to me. For the full show notes, including links to everything I mentioned in this episode, click on the link in my description, or you can head straight there by heading on over to my website, kristenpound.com forward slash podcast, finding the episode you're looking for, and all the show notes will be there for you. If you have any ideas for an episode, let me know. I have a massive list going, and I'm really excited for some of the upcoming episodes, so make sure, again, that you're subscribed. But if you have an idea, let me know, because sometimes y'all send me ideas for episodes, and I'm like, what? I never thought of that. So... If I haven't covered something you want me to cover, let me know and I will add it to my list for sure. And thanks again to Holier for sponsoring this episode. They're amazing. If you're looking for a vegan multivitamin as a backup to what you're consuming in your diet, you should definitely try Holier. And use my code HOWTOVEGAN for a 20% discount for first-time customers. Click the link in the show notes. The pre-applied discount will already be good to go. So click on that link and you'll be all set to get your first order of Holier. Yeah, and thank you for listening to this episode. Again, I really hope you enjoyed it. This one was a lot to put together, and I hope that it came together in a way that at least made some sort of sense. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you follow me over on Instagram at Podcast, and we can stay connected there. So yeah, I think that's it. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I will catch you in the next episode of the How to Vegan Podcast. Bye.